Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to our Sunday service, Church in the Home. Sunday the 23rd of April 2023. I'm recording this message in Linden, and I have a congregation of two. My precious wife Janet and a dog called Noble. All right, so there we go. But I trust that you'll listen to this message and be blessed as we gather in our homes and allow the Holy Spirit to teach us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are available to teach us whenever we approach you, whenever we cry to you. Thank you that it is your great desire to give us revelation on the things of God, that we might become better equipped to serve the living God here in this earth at this time. We thank you for your anointing. In the mighty name of Yeshua, and thank you that no word will fall by the wayside, but will achieve that for which it was sent in your mighty name. Amen. Now, for a long time we've been running Bible studies based on the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and we've been having a wonderful time. God has been giving us great revelation on these fruit of the Holy Spirit, and I've always wished that more people from the congregation would be able to attend them. But I realize that's not going to happen anytime soon. And so with the understanding that if the mountain won't move to Muhammad, Muhammad has got to move to the mountain, so to speak. So I'm going to be sharing some of these revelations in this message, and I trust that you'll be blessed. Now, one of the themes has been running right through this whole series on the fruit of the Holy Spirit is this understanding. You see, very often we have the impression the fruit of the Spirit, by comparison to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, are the weak cousin, if I can call it that. The gifts is where all the power is, so to speak. And everybody wants the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Well, it's good to want the gifts. The Bible tells us to. We need to actively seek them and operate in them. We teach that as well, of course. But it has been my discovery that the fruit of the Spirit, if understood correctly, now there's the key, if understood correctly, are no less powerful than the gifts of the Holy Spirit, because they are a fruit of the Holy Spirit, the almighty power of God. And remember something, the Word of God says that all men shall know you, by your love. Love now is obviously one of the great fruit of the Holy Spirit. And thinking about it, the question is, what does draw people to God? There's no doubt the gifts play an important role, especially when somebody has experienced a miraculous healing, etc. And obviously the gifts of the Holy Spirit, prophecy and the like are very powerful and are designed to reach the lost. But what draws people? To a tree. The fruit. Amen? The fruit. If we understand it correctly, this fruit is extremely powerful. When I was a child, we had in our backyard a banana tree. Now, what attracted me to that banana tree? <laughs> Was it the smell of the flowers? Not that there are many. Was it the beautiful shape of the leaves? No. What attracted me was the bananas. I mean, 
They tasted pretty good, if I remember correctly. But you see, people are drawn by the fruit. But there is something we've got to realize, that the fruit are very often not what we think they are. You see, the devil's trick is to cover things with a vague covering, as it were. Many of these fruit, when we translate it into common regarded in English, we get the impression that it's weak. Patience, long-suffering, kindness. We don't realize the power that is in there. The key to finding out the real power of these things is to understand the words that are used, which means looking at the Greek. Now, I'm no Greek scholar. I don't think anybody can pretend to be an expert in Greek. I remember hearing Derek Prince. Now, Derek Prince was a lecturer at Oxford University, a professor in ancient Greek and Hebrew, apparently. So, by comparison, he knew a lot of things about Greek, but he himself would say, I don't consider myself an expert in Greek. The point being that Greek is a very complicated language, and it takes a lot of understanding to get to the bottom of it. However, we do have concordances, and concordances show us the Greek words on which we base our English translations. And with a simple, a common sense approach, I'd say, and the help of the Holy Spirit, when we read these words, we can get a sense of what the Holy Spirit is saying. And my experience has been that when we do that, when we do that, we discover that these fruit of the Holy Spirit are extremely beautiful, and extremely powerful and extremely applicable and victorious in daily life. Now, let's go to the scripture with that in mind. I'm just going to read a bit from 1 Corinthians 13. Let's just go there. It says, Love never fails, suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy, love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. The two aspects of this wonderful fruit of the Holy Spirit that I want to take from this passage is those two. Bears all things, this understanding of bearing with, and endures all things. Let's just go over to Galatians 5. Galatians 5 verse 22, the definitive passage of Scripture on the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. All right, now I'm just going to look at three of these things. And the title of this message, hold your breath, this is so exciting, Bearing, Enduring, Long-Suffering. <laughs> Imagine writing a book with a title, Bearing, Enduring, Long-Suffering. We think it would generate much sales. No, but that's my point, you see. Very often we look at these fruit of the Holy Spirit, and if we look at them, through the lens of the world's understanding, 
we can go horribly wrong and we can miss out on great treasure. So I'm going to look at those three in turn. This whole understanding of bearing. Bearing with, as it were. Now, the Greek word for this bearing, right, bears all things. The Greek word is the word stego. However, that is correctly pronounced, stego. This word stego is a very interesting one. It literally means to roof over, to cover over. In the sense of you have a room with stuff in it and you put a roof over. You see, you cover over. All right. Now, you see, you might say, oh, well, bears all things. Simply means to put up with nonsense. That's now a fruit of the Spirit. And there is, I suppose, some truth in that. But you see, what the Holy Spirit is getting at here is very often you and I encounter situations in people's lives. Remember, we're supposed to be part of the body, growing up together, helping one another. Amen. And in this process, every single one of us has got things we have to deal with, things that we are dealing with, and things that we will deal with in the future. It's an ongoing process. Everybody knows that. But you see, in this process of dealing with things, as far as God is concerned, some things need to be dealt with before others. Before you go on a journey, you have to fill up the petrol. You understand? And with us as well, before God can deal with the human's life, that person's got to get born again. That person's got to perhaps go through baptism, get filled with the Holy Spirit. And then, as time goes on, deal with one thing at another. Now, we're living together with one another, and we might say, oh, well, that brother's got that big issue, you see, or that problem. And the tendency, the human tendency is to say, well, I can't bear with that. I can't put up with that. I'm just going to ignore that brother, you see. However, the fruit of the Spirit of this stego is completely different. The attitude is we bear with, we put up with. Please remember something. While you and I are putting up with problems in other folk, they're putting up with problems in us. Amen. Maybe we aren't even aware of them. You see? And as we grow in love and accept one another, despite our problems, as it were, God is able to gradually deal with those issues. I think of a few probably humorous examples. Many of you will remember Helena in our congregation. Helena was of Portuguese extraction. She really loved the Lord. She saw going to church as meeting with her friend, you see, and we were so glad to have her in our midst. But you see, what would happen with Helena is every now and then, her family would contact her in the middle of a service, you see. Now, Helena had one of these old cell phones with the typical, I think it was Vodacom ring, and uh, she had this massive handbag, you see, a lot like Mary Poppins, I think. 
And what would happen in the middle of the service, normally at the worst moment from our perspective, as far as preaching this wonderful message, etc., is concerned, you understand, the phone would go. Helena would dig around in her bag for quite a while until she located her handset and then, without any qualms, shout into the receiver, Hello! She would disrupt the service totally. Do you understand? Now, what was our reaction as a church? We all understood. The family was contacting her to find out whether she was ready to come out or not, etc. What would happen? Everything would stop. We'd wait for her to get finished with the conversation. When she was finished, she'd look up, nod her head, and would continue with the service. Amen? Now, technically, was that the right thing to do? Was she now offending the Holy Spirit? Probably yes. But you know what? What did God expect of us? Stego. Right? Just bear with. Understand where the lady is. That was important to her. Technology wasn't her forte. Putting her phone on silent wasn't something she could do. Talking to her family quietly was impossible. You understand? But nobody died. Nobody suffered. And we bore with, you see, and that's what God expected of us. I remember in the early church I belonged to, we had a wonderful lady by the name of Auntie Tilly. Auntie Tilly was fluent in three languages, English, Afrikaans, and Shona. Wonderful person. She was an old-time Pentecostal. And she had gripped hold of the understanding of prophecy, you see. So every service, come hell or high water, Auntie Tilly would break out in prophecy. Your prophecies were just about identical every time. They were all in King James English. Yea, thus verily, thus verily, yea, thus verily, etc. And to be quite honest with you, I don't think a lot of it actually came from heaven. But guess what? What did we as a congregation do? Stegger. You understand? We bore with it. That's where she was at. God loved her, loved us, and if one listened carefully, there was a message, actually. If nothing else, faithfulness. She did what she could with what she knew. Amen? So you see, this whole business is so important. There does come a time, however, where Stego must give way to action, you see. Because we should be growing, and ultimately, what God puts up with in our lives now, there does come a time when he says, no more, I'm not going to put up with this anymore. You understand? God operates in the fruit of the Holy Spirit towards us in the same way as he expects us to operate in the fruit of the Holy Spirit with others. There's a lot of stuff in our lives that God just stego, bears with. For now, I think of a man who's married to a woman for 30 years, whatever. He gets saved. He carries on in his old ways. Doesn't realize that he's very often criticized her in public. Caused her such pain. Made jokes about her before his friends. 
And God might tolerate that for a while, but one day the Holy Spirit puts his finger on that. And if that man has got any decency in him at all and he realizes what he's done, you see, he'll change. You understand? That's the way God works with us. That's the way he works with us. There does come a time, you see, when we must stego, but there does come a moment when God says, okay, enough is enough. Now's the time to deal with it. Another example from church experience, we had a lady in the congregation we were trying to run. This lady believed profoundly that God had blessed her with the gift of prophecy. And that's a good thing, but not just prophecy, prophecy sung. See, now, as you know, we encourage prophetic singing, new songs in the church. Biblical, it's wonderful. There was only one problem. If you know the piano, there are black and white notes. And in this instance, this lady, unfortunately, would sing in the cracks. What I'm saying is, it sounded terrible, to be honest with you. And we put up with it. We stegoed it for quite a while. Why? We believe God wanted to help her as a person. She was doing the best she could. But you see, there came a time where what would happen, it sounded quite spooky, to be honest with you. When you sing in the cracks, it sounds quite spooky. And unfortunately, you see, when we had people that would come to our church, the odd one that would now and then venture forth, they would come half thinking these people are nuts, and after hearing her, be convinced that was the case, and depart, never to be seen again. It was damaging the kingdom, is what I'm saying. As gently as we could, we tried to let her know that perhaps that's not the place to operate with this particular gift. Unfortunately, she took it wrong, and she left. But anyway, what I'm saying is, for a while we staggered it. We felt it was necessary for her just to let her run, you see. And normally that is the case. Normally, please, that is the case. We encourage gifts of every kind to come forth. Rather people do them than not do them. However, there does come a time, you understand. And that's the pattern of God. So what am I encouraging us to do? This fruit of the Spirit. We see problems in one another. Maybe for a time, bear with. Don't try and sort that problem out immediately. God won't try and sort all our problems out overnight, let me tell you. There'd be very little left of us if he did. Let's be patient in that regard. Stigger, cover over. We know it's wrong. We know it's not a good thing. But we just bear with. For now. You understand? That's the heart of God. Amen. The next one is this business of enduring. Love endureth. Now you might say, oh well, what's the difference between bearing with and enduring with? There's a big difference. It's subtle. But once again, we must go to the Greek. The Greek word that is translated as enduring is the word hupo meno. It's a double-barreled word, actually. Hupo meno. What it means literally is to remain under. You see? Remaining under. Choosing to remain in a situation that we might not like. Amen. 
That's enduring. Remaining under. Now you see, if we take a worldly view of this, it could so easily be translated as, oh well, you're a Christian, you just have to bear with it, you have to just take it all and be a doormat. That is not the sense of it. Please, we've got to understand something. That is not the sense of it. Like I said, these fruits are very powerful. To remain under is to choose to stay in a situation. Perhaps a situation that we don't like. Now you see, you and I as Christians, God is working on us. And can I just say something? When we are in comfortable situations, very often things that need to be worked on don't get dealt with. Amen. When we're comfortable, we put up in our lives with a lot. But God doesn't, you see. God does. And very often, to get us to deal with issues, He chooses to put us into situations that we might not like. Maybe a terrible boss. Maybe a difficult teacher. Maybe a difficult fellow member of the church. Maybe a difficult work situation, whatever situation, you see. And the understanding is we have a choice, you see. We can leave the situation. We, in our own natural thinking, will say, well, I don't like this anymore, I'm out of here. And when we do that, we are not operating with this fruit, hupo meno, choosing to remain under. You see, when we choose to remain under, we place ourselves in a position where God can deal with us. It might be painful. Actually, growing with God is very often extremely painful. If you and I want to achieve great things, and God wants us to, be prepared for the testing. It's as simple as that, you see. But we can be the kind of people that say, I don't like this, I'm out of here. This relationship isn't doing me any good, I'm out of here. Now please, there are relationships that it's best to cut off with and get away from. We understand that. But very often, you see, God requires you and I to stay in the situation. And it's not necessarily just for our benefit. Did you know that? Sometimes God requires us to stay in a situation because he wants to work through us in that situation. I can give you a lot of examples. I know that there was a time when I was teaching, as many of you know, for a short period. For four years I taught history at a high school. I was totally unqualified for the job, as many of the students discovered. But the point is I was there. At one stage, the headmaster made life very difficult for me, for one reason or another. And I was faced with this challenge. Do I just leave because it's uncomfortable or do I stay? And I remember praying about it and God told me, not in these words, but the essence of it was, Hupomena, remain under. The reason being, you see, 
I was teaching a matric class. And for those writing matric, as we all know, that year is very traumatic. A lot depends on it for many. Their future is in the balance, etc., etc. It's the culmination of all these years at school of studying. And what God led me to understand was, yes, your situation has been made unreasonable, untenable. I won't go into details, but there are these students, this class of 30 plus, in their final year, that need to write this exam. And they're relying on you, you see, just to help them through. And I understood that I must wait till the end of the year. And I eventually did uh, resign because it was time for me to move on. But I think you're getting the picture, you see. This fruit of the Spirit is to stick it out. Sometimes when we don't like it. Sometimes when we think it's better for us to go. I have a friend who found himself in that situation. He was in a big company. He had done very well for himself, even though he didn't have any academic education, so to speak. And he was under a boss that made life absolute hell for him. And very often he would cry out to God and say, Oh God, can I please leave here? Can I please leave? And God made it very clear to him. Hupo meno, remain, stay there. Well, it worked out, you see, because what I'm trying to get to is the fact that these fruit of the Holy Spirit, they release the power of God. They release the power of God in the situation. And what happened with him is he carried on there. The day came when they discovered that his boss was operating fraudulently and he was asked to leave. The question was, who takes over his job? Can I tell you who took over his job? The man without the education who chose Tupo Meno. Thanks to God. Can you see that? Please, this is a very important thing. We don't want to be the kind of people that at the drop of a hat, we up and off. And we end up gadding about. All the devil's got to do to get us to move is to give us a bit of irritation. And we're out of there. That is not the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That doesn't attract people to us. We're not stayers. We're not saying that, you know, I need to put up with things indefinitely. As with the other example of covering over, there does come a time where perhaps the Lord says, enough is enough. Now it's time to move on. But let us allow the Holy Spirit to determine that. Let's not take the matter into our own hands necessarily and expect God to change us. Amen. The final one that I want you to speak about is this whole understanding of long-suffering. It sounds terrible, doesn't it? You and I as Christians have got to suffer for a long time. How exciting. <laughs> well, do you know, for your information, that word means nothing of the sort. Absolutely nothing of the sort. The Greek word is macrotumia. Macro. Tumia. Macro, as you all know, is big. We have macro where we go, store, massive store, supermarket. But this word tumia is quite fascinating, actually. And once again, you see, it's a word that's based on another word, which has connotations which come out of it. The word is based on tumo, all right? 
literally means to rush. Just to rush. In the sense of that rushing sound when you breathe. Funny enough. And you see, it has this implication of blowing. And of not just blowing generally, of blowing coals. In other words, igniting a fire. And not just a fire, a normal fire, a sacrificial fire. It speaks in the sense, in a word, of enthusiasm. Not really suffering. Macro-enthusiasm. Can you see that? And the point is this, that when you and I face challenges, and as you know, that's life for you, we as Christians, and as people always face challenges, that's the name of the game. The issue is not the challenge. The issue is your and my response. And you see, this macrotumia is a fruit of the spirit response. And you see, the response that we should have is not just, oh, bear with and put up with and long-suffering and, oh, God, get me out of this eventually, sort of thing. It's not a negative attitude at all. On the contrary, it's an attitude which is filled with enthusiasm, passion, and sacrifice, you see. Facing opposition with an attitude of enthusiasm, sacrificial passion, and with great faith. Now, I'd like to just put it in these terms. When you see in your Bible long-suffering, you rather put there persistent enthusiasm. You know I mean? Rather than long-suffering, put persistent enthusiasm. It's to confront obstacles with sacrificial passion enthusiasm, and a persisting breakthrough mentality. How's that? A persisting breakthrough mentality. Can you see that? It's an energetic, passionate response to obstacles. Not a passive, roll over and play dead and just suffer in silence. The Christian lot. Nothing of the sort. The best illustration I could come up with in this regard also comes from the world of education. I know as a student, and I'm sure there are many others like me, we presented quite a challenge to various teachers in one form or another. I mean, now you see, when you and I are battling with something, generally speaking, there are two kinds of teachers. They are the long-suffering type, you see, which realize they've got a job to do and this is now something that they have to just put up with, of course. Those kind of teachers love the clever kids who don't really need much help at all. But you get another kind of teacher, the one that approaches the problem with persistent enthusiasm. You understand? You can do this, Graham. Come on. Get your act together. You can do it. You see? And very often that enthusiasm is what helps someone get through. It's not a case of, oh, well, here's the exercise, you do it if you can't find somebody else to help you, sort of thing. You get that? It's a different attitude altogether. The challenge is there, yes. And it does require effort to overcome. There's a sacrifice involved. But I'm not focusing on the pain of the sacrifice. I'm focusing on overcoming with enthusiasm, with passion, you see. 
with macrothumia. And you see, if you and I have that approach to problems that come our way, guaranteed we will see victory ultimately in every case. And we will be able to move from one degree of glory to the next. Long-suffering, on the other hand, means that you're not going to live a miserable life. And when anybody asks us how we are, we're going to spend a long time discussing the long things that we are suffering. You get it. It's negative. It's negative. Macrotumia is a powerful response to problems that we face. And you see, when we have that attitude, the Holy Spirit, the author of these gifts, is able to lead us from one degree of glory to the next. The scripture which captures this approach to my mind is found in Proverbs, and I'm going to close with this scripture reading. Proverbs 4, verse 18. But the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. Amen. Macrotumia, shining ever brighter, despite the opposition, despite the obstacles, shining ever brighter unto that breakthrough, the perfect day. I trust that you've been blessed with this short teaching. May you be blessed the remainder of this wonderful day, the Lord's Day, and may God be with you. In Yeshua's mighty name, Amen.